0: Hey everyone, it's Ben from How the F2i Podcast. Hope you all are staying safe and healthy and sane out there, along with all of your families, and everyone is uh, getting through this very difficult time. We're really excited to release our next episode and wanted to preface that we did record this episode ahead of this madness, but wanted to put this out to give you guys some new content and a new episode, and hopefully this can uh, help better your life during this time. Thanks for listening, and definitely check us out on Instagram. We are going live pretty frequently, and hope to hear from you soon. Appreciate the support.
1: You're listening to How the F2I Podcast with Marta and Ben. All right, Ben. Marta, we
2: are back. We are back. We we're are back. back. We are back. Season two, still season two,
0: still still season two. <laughs> season
2: two is the longest stretching. Yeah, season it really two.
0: is. This one works. We're, ex- we're really extending.
2: Really extending season two. Um, apologies, friends and family and listeners. We've just been. Living life A little life. bit busy A little bit busy yep. A little bit busy So we apologize For the gap in episodes We are working To get more to you Very yep. Very quickly So thank you For your patience
0: Yep We really appreciate it I mean Everyone Everyone it has been continuing to tell us about the podcast listening to the podcast it's pretty much what's keeping us motivated to keep recording we have jack over here
1: we're in oakland in,
0: my, we're in oakland right now my jack, cat the,
2: my cat Marta's jack cat. is climbing in our guest jacket yeah he
0: has no problem
2: <laughs> I guess just getting like right up in dear? there <laughs> <laughs> Not sure.
0: So he's going to be a guest uh, on this episode, I'm going to assume.
2: An official guest, yep. Jack White, the cat. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but yeah, no, uh, we, uh, yeah, we've been super busy, but have wanted to keep going.
2: Yeah, we want wanted to keep going. And uh, we've had a great response. And thank you to everyone who just keeps listening and messaging us because there's times where we think, oh, this is so hard. But we get nice messages saying that um, a podcast has helped you with something, helped you negotiate a job, and it keeps us going. So. Thank you so much. You can continue to follow us on how the fuck do I podcast at Instagram. Yep. Um, and message us if you have ideas for show topics. Yeah, We read all of those. We
0: read all of them. We're always talking about topics. We've got a bunch of great topics that are coming up. Um yeah,
2: And it's, it's, sorry, oh, we're laughing as the cat is just trying
0: the to cat climb on her. so distracting. Oh my God. <laughs> like, literally.
1: I'm sorry. Sharp claws, too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you can you can kick him off at any time. Um, but it's 2020, That's it's a 2020. new decade. Yeah. And Ben, you have an update. Don't I you?
0: have a little bit of an update. We were talking about this before we started recording. So, uh, if you're a frequent <laughs> listener on our podcast, you know that I like to say 100% mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little bit too often. And um, I've kind of upgraded this year, Marta, in a in a very weird way. I yeah. didn't really r- realize it until recently. Uh-huh. But I went from 2019 to be 100%. Now it's 2020. I'm
2: doing 1,000%. 100%, just not enough for the new I, it decade. Just, it
0: wasn't enough for the new decade. And for some reason, all of a sudden, I say 1,000%. Well, listen, So we e- might have to adjust our... Farb facts.
2: You're growing and evolving, which is what we should be doing. That's what we're all about on this podcast, right? Helping you learn and figure things out. So you're now in the thousands. We'll track the thousands.
0: Track the thousands. We can keep the hundreds going. But to be honest with you, it's time to move it to a thousand. Okay, so if you so, say
2: so, it's a thousand percent fart facts now.
0: It's a thousand percent fart facts, okay. and for anyone that's not aware, anytime I do say a thousand percent, I unfortunately have to give some embarrassing fact about myself. Per Marta,
2: sounds perfect. The cat is now in our guest lap, just, just making himself at home. Literally in the microphone, just get comfy. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of our guest, let's get right into it. So, um, our guest is a friend of actually my brother Seth's, who just has a phenomenal. Phenomenal Instagram, uh, really blown away by Thank it. You, yes, man. which we're going to talk about. But this is something that I think is really valuable for any parent, but also any person. That your the content goes beyond parents. I without think. a doubt, without a doubt. So our guest is Julia uh, and Julia Feldman. Is is you use the hyphen in your oh, name? No, okay. I don't Just straight Julia Feldman. (laughs) So Julia Feldman is a sex educator and founder of Giving the Talk, which is really cool. It's sex education designed for this century. And it's all about empowering people with scientifically accurate sex education that you deserve. Um, And Julia really believes that by equipping people of all ages with knowledge and skills, they have more healthy bodies, they understand intimacy more, have better relationships. Um, And I just think that's super cool. Yeah. And it's such a hard topic to really... Talk about oh, with indeed. people, so indeed. we are happy to have you, Julia. I'm
1: so glad to be here.
2: I'm glad you're cool with cats because my cat is now <laughs> really just. Yeah. I don't
1: think that's a choice. At this <laughs> yeah, we can talk about
2: consent, it's, and you—if yeah, you, you don't consent to this, you can keep my, him my off body lap. language
1: is clearly indicating consent, and I would articulate my boundaries if I wasn't. Comfortable <laughs> well. We're happy to have you here. Thanks for your patience with my cat. Um,
2: so yeah, let's let's talk about, you know, you tell us where you grew up. And we we're curious if, you know, sex was an open topic in your house
1: growing yeah. up. Um, I grew up here in Oakland, California, born and raised. And um, I am a child of hippies, and we had a lot of interesting books in my house growing up. Um, The Joy of Sex and Where Did I Come From and all these classics. And There really wasn't any shame about bodies or sexuality, but there wasn't any conversation about it either. It was totally okay for me to take whatever book I wanted off the shelf, but my parents never initiated any conversations and that just didn't really happen. Um, I was just kind of left to figure it out on my own, which I think is how a lot of people do. Fortunately, I had better tools to figure it out than a lot of people, but I think that's a pretty common experience. Even if you are provided with sex education um, from your parents or from school, usually it's lacking in a lot of ways and we're left to our own devices to kind of scramble and figure it out on our own.
0: I, I just like I'm thinking back like to to my days of like sex education and like I, I don't ever think it was like really talked about with my parents in a way. Like I don't we we would you know what I mean? It was all about like school, it was all about other devices, which was which is interesting today because I I think it's just so much different. Like kids have so much different access.
2: Yeah. You mine, know? Mine- so it's like I had it in health class. Like health health class was where you learned about it. Yeah. And it was
1: like mostly about healthy eating and then maybe two weeks it was totally. about sex. Yeah. and in, in middle school, we had social living, which I thought was just oh. like a fascinating euphemism. Um, <laughs> but that was like everyone knew that's when they would like finally teach us about sex. And it was like the hugest disappointment ever because it was basically like these are pictures of sexually transmitted infections. Yep. yep. Get scared. Get grossed out. Don't do it. Yep. And We know from research that that is just wholly ineffective and um, those scare tactics don't work and they actually um, lead to riskier behavior. Because if you're anticipating that if you have a sexually transmitted infection, it's going to look like one of those scary pictures, that's actually not true. Most sexually transmitted infections are asymptomatic. So the education that we got that was rooted in fear actually did us a huge disservice in terms of providing misinformation and just creating a really... Um, a really ineffective attitude towards sex.
2: Yeah. They used to call them VDs, venereal oh, yeah. disease. Venereal, venereal disease. Venereal disease. Then it was God. STIs, right? Oh, yeah. STDs and now STIs. Yeah, Okay. That's yeah. the modern version. Um, when was the first time that you got exposed to sex education just through, you know, you were a
1: teacher before? Yeah. So what was your exposure to that? What made you jump into this field? As a teacher, um, for me, the most... Pivotal moment was probably, I mean, I've been interested in in health and in education and, and meeting those two, marrying those two categories. I suffered from chronic illness as a child, and I learned to how uh, to advocate for myself, especially with doctors and around my body, and to learn how to communicate about that. And I was really pissed off when I was a teenager and having to learn to do that because no one teaches you how to do that. No one teaches you how to talk about your body, no one teaches you that you have um, certain rights related to your body and that you should advocate for yourself and that you deserve to feel good and to care for yourself and to not have shame about your bodies. Um, And so I had to figure that out on my own. And so I feel like as I matured and got older, I wanted to make sure that I did something related to that. Um, And then I started off teaching high school English um, with Teach for America in Pinnell, California. Oh, yeah. Um, And... My first year teaching, I had this fascinating encounter with students. We we're reading Fahrenheit 451 and the main character's wife got her stomach pumped, and the ha- captain of the football team raised his hand and was confused and was like, But Miss Feldman, if there was a baby in there, would the stomach pump suck out the baby? And it was just a fascinating moment for me to realize like, he's a senior in high school. He has no idea that the uterus is separate than the stomach. And you know, I said, you know, no, a, a baby grows, a fetus grows in a stomach. And then a, <laughs> a fetus grows in a uterus, you know, yeah. you have Stomach acid in your stomach, if you had a baby in your stomach, you'd digest the baby. And all the girls, not on this moment. Everyone knows babies grow in tummies. And it just occurred to me, you know, they're all having sex. They have no idea where babies come from. And I'm supposed to be teaching them about metaphors and similes. And they they need basic health information. And so I started to, like, try to tie in health connections into my English class. And I was put on professional suspension uh, for teaching... Without a credential, so I got a credential, and I just started teaching health full time. Fuck yeah! Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, kind of like walked away with my. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: oh, that's what I need
1: to do. It then I'm doing it, um, and I have never looked back. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. So is that where giving the talk kind of stemmed from or what, like how do, yeah, you where know, did it go from there?
1: Giving the talk, the actual title came from, I used to do yoga every Thursday night with a group of friends and we would go up for drinks afterwards. And we were talking about like our dream jobs and it was, cause it was like 13 years ago now. Mm. Um, and I said, you know, at that point I was I was a classroom teacher and it was, you know, to be in your early 20s and a classroom teacher, it's not an easy or glamorous mm. life. No. And I just thought, you know, it would be so awesome if parents would just pay me to give their kids the talk. And and my friend was like, you should buy that domain name. And I did. And I sat on it for 10 years. Wow. I just like paid every year to renew it because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but giving the talk, that just feels right. And then um, a few years ago, I finally like built my website. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so I sat on it for a while. But yeah, I mean, the idea behind giving the talk is just that – I mean, it's a misnomer. It's not one talk. It's a whole series of exchanges and conversations, and um, and we all need them in our lives. We all need lots of different talks, right? That's what your podcast is about. Absolutely. So figuring out what's needed and then finding a way to do it that feels authentic and, yeah. and effective.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, why do you think there is so much misinformation out there, going back to your story, right? What?
1: Yeah, I mean, our culture has a really toxic relationship to sexuality and a huge misunderstanding about what sexuality is. When we think of sexuality, we think of sex and we think of people like putting a penis in a vagina or a vulva. And that's our notion of what sex is. And if we take a step back and understand that sexuality is actually a huge part of our identity, it begins even before birth and it extends through the lifespan. It's not just about sexual intercourse or sexual activity with someone else. It relates to intimacy. It relates to boundaries. It relates to healthy relationship. It relates to anatomy and how you understand how your body works. It's so multifaceted that when we think about sex in our culture and we think of it as something being really graphic and explicit and not appropriate for kids, we're just doing ourselves a huge disservice. Because if we could reconceptualize what sexuality is, is just one aspect of our multidimensional identities, and we interacted with it that way, then I wouldn't even have to be here talking to you
0: today, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, if we no, really understood sure.
1: it to be what it is, um, we would be so much healthier as a society. Yeah, <laughs> that was the biggest
0: takeaway just from just looking at giving the talk and yeah. all of your messaging is it really isn't about, okay, this is how sex works and this is what how you, yeah. how you do it. It's more so just understanding who you are as a person.
1: Yeah, it's understanding yourself. It's understanding some basic knowledge that we have All should have access to. And it's about developing skills that we all should have learned to do a long time ago. You know, like, why is communication so scary? Why is talking about our bodies so scary? Why is talking with someone else about their body so scary? Because it's not modeled for us, no one talks about doing it, and we all have to figure out how to do it on our own, and we all flail and make mistakes because. There's no real model for us about what that could look like. So That's
2: Exactly why I wanted to have you here yeah, today. This is, this is exactly yeah. what I try to do. I try I
0: love to get it. The
2: Amazing. Wow, my cat is really getting back in your business. Jack huh? is back. <laughs> Jack
0: is back. I, you? I don't know. He
2: really, he's really into it. I must get a picture of this for our social. I, I just smell like
1: <laughs> vanilla because I bake all the time. So you must <laughs> just really love vanilla.
2: <laughs> well, I guess, you know, going into it. So like you said, there's not really a model for this. Yeah. We should have had this a lot earlier. So you know, what is the age you should start talking to your kids about sex?
1: Oh, I mean that question in and of itself makes me want to like take a 10 steps back and explain, you know, like what's what's the age you start talking to your kids about eating food? Right? Like that True. happens at birth. And so when we're talking about talking to your kids about sex or their bodies, <laughs> that happens from birth, right? From the second your child's born, you're teaching them about intimacy and affection and love, about feeling safe, about feeling cared for. You're modeling respectful relationships. You hopefully are talking about anatomy in an accurate way. Um, You're communicating boundaries. You're letting them express their boundaries and you're respecting them. So all of those nuanced interactions that you have with newborn babies start to develop the type of relationship to talk about intimacy and bodies and relationships later on. So So it's not
0: even about really talking per se. It's also being a model demonstrating yeah, like you know loving your partner in front of them exactly showing care like that that all of that gets kind of absolutely. sucked in absolutely yeah. and
1: talking about that explicitly too like what do you like about your partner let your kid know that you know like you know my partner your your daddy makes me feel like loved and respected or cared for you know like
0: listen son your mom is hot okay I'm sorry <laughs> I'm just gonna say it right now total babe <laughs> there we go said a guy who
2: has no kids and no yeah. partner so take it with a grain that'll of salt that'll come back to haunt you later (laughs) on and it's on tape so this is why we're learning (laughs) (laughs) no i i think i think that makes sense though just like modeling a healthy relationship love and respect very early on it's a shift in
1: mindset instead of like how do i have this one challenging conversation it's how do i establish a relationship with my kid where this isn't it's a non-issue where it's just part of what we talk about and it's part of the culture of our house and it isn't something that has to be a scary conversation because we can talk about things without fear. You yeah. Know?
0: So, do you feel like for a parent, it's it's rather than waiting for for your child to ask about those kind of things, more approach it so in just a manner of like directly right away, almost in a way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean when you have a baby, you're changing their diaper. You're gonna, you know, I'm wiping your butt. You know, like, oh, that's your penis. You know, like just introducing that language. But as they get older, yeah. I mean, you can't leave the onus on the child to initiate the conversation because we're all living in a culture that's so steeped with shame and stigma about sex that it's very likely that your kid wouldn't bring it up because you haven't brought it up and they're watching you lead by example. If you're not talking about it, there's probably a reason for that. Why is your child going to initiate a conversation about something that they think you are avoiding talking about? Right. You have to initiate it. And it's subtle, you know, like you're listening to music, you're watching a TV show, you notice that like something interesting is happening. You're like, why do you think that woman on that billboard selling, you know, soda is almost naked. You know, like these are the conversations that you just kind of bring up because it's a weird thing that that exists and we should talk about it. And by opening those conversations, you're creating that entryway. So as a parent,
2: I think around maybe four, four or five is I got like the where do babies come from talk. So that's, I think the classic, the classic line that you get as a parent. That's a big one. So when you get, so when you haven't had, you're not aware of this and you haven't been creating this conversation since birth and you got to start there in the middle, what is the right response for that? Well,
1: the thing is that that question is so scary for parents because they think it's a question about sex Yeah, and it's not. At all. When a four or five year old asks you where babies come from, it's very logistical. They also want to know where their toys come from and where their sandwiches (laughs) come from. True. For them, it's not about sex and it's not sexual. They want to understand how the world works and they want to make sense of it. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that parents make is when they hear that question, they put their frame onto it. Where do babies come from? Oh, like we had this wild steamy night, and then you know you were made. Your kid doesn't (laughs) want to hear that, nor do they need to hear that. You know, they want to know, like, oh wow, yeah, that's a great question. Our bodies are pretty awesome. And, you know. Know, this type of body has an egg and this type of body has a sperm. And when an egg and sperm come in contact with each other, like this is what can happen. And so um, that's one of the biggest mistakes that parents make uh, is by putting their frame and their perspective and their relationship to sexuality on their kids' questions. For kids, it's just logistical. They want to know where they came from. I learned that
2: uh, when I got asked that question. And and it, I was like, we were driving in a car and it was after work and I was like <laughs> super tired and I got asked a question. I was like, oh, God. Uh, and I think I said something like, you know what? I'm going to get you the best. Imp- I want to get you the best information possible. So I will get you an answer because I learned they don't need it right away. Oh, yeah. And true. then I Googled age-appropriate answer and then <laughs> no, it
1: was exactly that. That's and then he was perfect. like, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, but that's perfect. I and mean, I think a lot of parents, because they don't have practice having this modeled for them or knowing how to talk about it, there's the inclination to like step out of your comfort zone and just dive right in. And you don't need to do that. Modeling for your child that you don't know the correct answer and you're going to seek it out is one of the best things that you can do because that's a skill they're going to have to develop in life too. And it's a really good strategy. If they ask you a question and you just feel like, oh, steamrolled or blown away by it, you don't know how to answer, just say like, you know, I'm not sure how to answer that. So I'm going to go find really good resources and get you the answer for that. Um, and you can talk with them how you do that. Like, I'm not just going to type that answer into a question into Google because I'm going to oh. get some crazy pictures and responses oh that are not I, what I'm I looking did, for. I did, but,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but exactly. you
1: have the skills to analyze True. whether it's valid
2: information That or not. is correct. I did bring yeah. the information back to him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: But it's, it's also so what, it's what, a media literacy lesson, too, which as I get older and you're talking about pornography is an important thing to talk about as
0: well. Yeah, because I'm also thinking, too, just in, in today's age, like if you're not being transparent and talking about it, there is so much social media and just access, oh, yeah. and we were just
1: oh, not social media. hanging There's with Levi porn. before. The, there is a lot of porn, and
0: it's very easy to get. Yeah. to. Yeah,
1: and if you don't give them answers and don't lead proactively to provide them with the answers, they're gonna get it from porn. Yeah, that's what all the data says. Oof, yeah, that's scary.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's very true. Yeah, and we like were using just,
1: Fast and Furious to learn to drive. Yeah, you know, you know? You just don't
0: do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because when we were, even before we were recording this, we were just talking with Marta's son Levi, and and you know he is, how old is he now? Eight? He's eight. Eight, and and he his skill sets on social media now, and oh, yeah. the, you know they were talking about I want to start chatting on on social media, and it was just like ah. they understand how to get or find information if they're not getting it from.
1: Oh, you better believe it.
0: <laughs> Which is such a scary Which, thing. Which, I mean, is one of
1: the important reasons why I think a lot of parenting is reactive. Your kid does something, you react to it, and then you realize that's an opportunity to teach a lesson or to instill some information. Um, but when it comes to sexuality, you have to be proactive. You have to think about what is what is the message that I want my child to take away from this? What are my hopes for them and their identity and their relationships and their in their life? And how can I help them cultivate that? And it really <laughs> requires being proactive in a way that most people, um, are scared to be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I love about your curriculum is it's all about removing stigma around bodies and there is just so much body shaming that exists. I mean, growing up as a child in the eighties, it's just all body shaming, everything in media. And I think there's a lot of, a lot more awareness than there used to be around it now, which is great. But you know, what, you know, what's
1: the best way to remove stigmas at an early age with, with kids? Um, That's a really good question. And my initial reaction is to not create any. We're not born ashamed of our bodies. You know, we're not born ashamed of our sexuality. That's a learned behavior. And so as a parent, if you can start off by modeling comfort with your body and being really intentional about how you talk about your body um, and how you talk about their body and how you allow your pediatrician to talk about your child's body and weight and, and how they interact with their body, then um, you're starting them off on a much better foot. I think so much of parenting it has to do with correcting mistakes that we've made because we are flawed people and, you know, we do our best and mess up a lot. Um, but initially it would just be modeling the type of relationship you want them to have and not uh, replicating the shame that you were raised with. Oh, that's a great, it's a great tip. I think just so many just early takeaways
2: from this conversation is just modeling and really modeling things really early. You don't even think about just your relationship. How do you talk to your partner modeling, not criticizing your body totally. in front of your kids. Look in
1: the mirror and say something nice about yourself. What, how powerful would that that's be? Good. If you saw your parents look in the mirror and saying, wow, I look really beautiful today. Oh, you did want to cry. It's,
0: it's so just, true. yeah, yeah it, it's, it's awesome. It, it's just, it's a lead by example. Like at the end of the day, you know, it's like, and it's really
1: cathartic for us too. You know, like if you actually take that on and decide like, it's my responsibility to model this for my kids. So I really need to do it because I think that's something that a lot of parents want to do. You want to have a healthier relationship with your body. You don't want to feel ashamed of yourself. How do you do it? Well, if you have a kid watching you 24 seven, you just have to do it. Yeah. And, and how healing is that to have to really challenge yourself to do it? Super healing. Yeah. Very, very smart.
0: So in this in this uh new era of me too. Yes. Um you know, how how do you you're you're posting a lot about consent right now and one of the yeah. one of the things that I learned from consent is even if something already has happened, you can still pull your consent back. Oh yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about this uh you know, how you teach kids in this new me too era about about consent?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the really powerful realizations I had, especially when I had my own kid, was the extent to which we don't respect children's boundaries at all.
2: Mm.
1: As parents, we really believe that we have the ultimate say. And in a lot of ways we do, especially when it comes to their safety and their well-being. But there's a lot of ways in which parents just assert authority over their children kind of in unnecessary ways because we think we have to socialize them to um, to, to respect adults or to... Um, fulfill a certain role that's expected of them in society. But if we actually just allow our children to practice asserting their boundaries and we really let them do that, then you're starting from a much better position. You know, if your kid doesn't like to be tickled, don't tickle them. You know, ask for permission before you tickle them. And if they say no, respect that. Ask them what type of veggies they want for dinner. Give them opportunities to consider, hmm, what do I feel like? And make an opinion about it. But just kind of Creating these very realistic, lifelike opportunities for them to assess their emotions and then assert boundaries establishes that as just expected behavior. So then when they're a teenager and someone's asking them to do something or if they want something, they actually have the practice of being able to check in with themselves and decide that. If you're a kid whose parent has always made lunch and dinner for you every day and decides what you eat and helps dress you and figures everything out for you, you don't have practice learning how to assess your own wants or needs or boundaries. And then when we're expected to do that in really scary, intense situations, it's really hard to do, yeah. right? So the more you can just normalize that behavior early on, and then it just becomes expected later on. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you're right, I'm a, I'm like, well, I'm probably, probably like, you're eating this. Like, I totally do that now. And, and that's fine to do, but it's also like, if no. you have carrots or cucumbers in the fridge, Ask them what they want. No, you know,
2: it's like, so smart. It makes complete yeah.
0: sense to but me. But you and Tony also are really good about Levi when you're having, you know, like your discussions. You do let Levi speak for himself. We do. Like, this is true. Know. This so is true. Yeah. Don't do put yourself. Oh, down I know. Too I was high. just you, like, oh, I
2: could I could do that a little but bit. But yeah, more, it's I interesting
0: think. because like I always think about it. Obviously, I don't have my own kid, but I I always try to just like like, kids are the most honest people. Like, they'll just say it straight. They have no filter. It's just real. And I always just try to treat them as I would, you know, Julia or you, Marta. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just like that they're just kind of adults too. Yeah.
2: Because,
0: like, I'm a kid.
2: You are a giant man <laughs> I'm man-child. Still
0: this a, a man child kid, <laughs> as Marta would say for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just like we're all kind of, like, human. And so, obviously, they don't have the experience yet. But if you – you know, to your point, like treat them as they were another person, adult. You model model the
1: interaction that you want to have with them and they'll rise to the occasion. Yeah. You know, if you expect that they can't make decisions for themselves, they're never going to get practice doing it and they're not going to be able to do it, right?
2: Well, I think your point too about just if like asking first, like, do you want to be tickled? Like, or even we were, we were raised in this culture of like, you hug everybody. Like you don't have to hug yeah, everybody. Exactly. Like that, When it's you time know. to
1: say goodbye, pick the way that you want to say goodbye. Yeah. Do you want to do a high five? Do you want to do a hug? Do you want to tickle? Do you want to... You know, do a kiss on the cheek, but a handshake. I know a lot of kids that do handshakes, you know, do you do you. But giving them the opportunity to assess what they're comfortable with and then apply it is just a really powerful experience for us all to have, right? Absolutely. I'm sure that we have all hugged or kissed people or family members or, you know, individuals that we did not want to when saying goodbye because… It's just what's done.
2: Well, it's interesting too because it makes me think about okay, fast forward to teenage years or college years yeah. or even adult years, right? Like, how do you have those conversations about boundaries? Because obviously, it's a huge problem even to adulthood. Oh yeah, you know, and you, like you're saying, there's not a common vernacular to have this conversation. Totally. So when you're dealing with high school kids, you yeah. know, what are some of the ways that you help them understand boundaries?
1: I mean, I think that for people of all ages, but especially starting in middle school through high school and beyond it really is about first checking in with yourself. We don't get an opportunity to do that enough in society. When someone, you know, initiates something or, you know, hits on you or, you know, tries to get you to do something, Initially, I think a lot of us pause and think like, well, what does this person want from me? And, you know, and, and you're trying to think about pleasing that other person and and all the other factors at play. And usually your actual authentic wants and desires are kind of the last thing on the list of things that we go to. So what I start off with talking about is just to really check in with yourself and see how you feel about something. Is this something you authentically want? Why do you want it? Is it something you don't want? Does it give you a weird feeling in your gut that you can't really articulate? Listen to that. Um, But really, it starts with figuring out how you feel about something and then deciding how you're going to communicate that to someone else and and assert that. Whether it's, yes, I really want that. Thank you for asking. Let's go do this. Or, I don't know how I feel about that. I need some time to think about it. Or, no, no. My gut tells me that is not good. But really, checking with yourself first. And then the next steps involve learning how to communicate your boundaries and how to assert them. And that doesn't have to be scary or weird or awkward either. But in our society, that's something that we're not really taught to do. How do you articulate a boundary to someone? Yeah. And, I, and I think some of us know people that are really good at that. And it's, like, really awesome that they can do it. And you're like, oh, but I'm not that person. And the shift is understanding that we can all be those people if we practice.
2: Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And it goes back to the training early of just being able to articulate what you want. And then it's like a
1: muscle. You're building it over time. Totally. Checking in with yourself about what you want and then articulating it to someone else. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, I mean, with that said, you know, how is how is sex education kind of changed within schools today, um, especially with LGBTQ? LGBTQ, LGBTQ.
2: I, said I said And that? you want to add a plus to it. <laughs> even better. Oh, there you go.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, there's lots of fun acronyms. Um, how has it changed? Well, across this country, it is completely piecemeal. There's no mm-hmm. national legislation for sex education. So <sighs> it's all state by state. That's wild. That's wild, yeah. That's wild to hear. There's only a handful of states that actually require that sex education be scientifically accurate. So, Are you kidding me? In 2020? Say yeah. that again. There's only, I think think it's under 20, maybe we're at 20 now, states that require that sex education be medically and scientifically accurate. That is horrifying. Yeah.
0: What does that mean exactly? It
1: it means that we've accepted as a society that it's more important for us to talk about values related to sexuality than actually give people accurate information and knowledge and skills. Mm. And that really represents how our society views sexuality, (sighs) that our values about it and our feelings about it are more important than what is actually going on and how to keep ourselves safe and healthy. It makes sense with everything that's happening and coming out. I mean, mean, exactly. It It fits into the larger landscape of our society and it's really messed up.
2: So it's even more motivation to proactively talk to your kids about it. Exactly.
1: I think earlier we were talking about the fact that there was the expectation, especially when we were kids, that like that stuff is outsourced to schools and like, oh, the school is taking care of it. Um, And As a parent, you need to not really expect that about anything, especially related to values. When it comes to sexuality, it's on you to make sure your kids are getting the message that you want them to get. Um, In California, the California um, education code was modified. And in 2016, um, there was a great transition that happened in terms of mandating that sex education be scientifically accurate, um, inclusive of people of all different gender identities and sexual orientations, um, that it be comprehensive, that it include uh, topics like consent. And so the education code is wonderful. And then if you take a step back and look at how it's actually implemented, implemented in reality, It's a very different reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of states look to California as like a model for what sex education can be. Um, But the problem is that in California, there's no mandated instructional hours related to sex education. So um, we have this great legislation and then it's rarely happening in practice. Whereas in Texas, there's mandated health education classes that people have to take for graduation from high school, but they permit abstinence-only education. So, you know, it's... It's kind of like, which is better, getting a lot of education in that yeah. is probably misinformation and perpetuating stigma or um, or mandating something great, but not actually having the teeth to implement it. Wow. That's wild. Yeah,
0: that's what's wild to hear that like, you know, especially in today's age, I mean, like sex is everywhere. It's yeah. like so accessible. It's more in accessible every, than ever. Ever that we as a country can't even adapt to that.
2: More important that you have this. I mean, I can see why you founded this and did this. Um, I mean, well, so with so much, I guess, lack of information being provided to kids and people not having conversation, when parents come to you, what are the common questions they're asking you about?
1: I mean, a lot of the questions are, you know, answering questions like where do babies come from or what do I do when my kid is touching themselves or stuff like that. A lot of it's older parents who – parents of older children who never had the conversations younger, and they're like, how do I dare start it now? You know, like, I'm scared it's too late. Of course, it's never too late. Right. Um, But a lot of it is just fear. And most of what I talk about with parents is actually just reframing how they're thinking about sexuality themselves. You know, if you really believe that everything related to sexuality has to do with fucking, then you're going to be at a huge disservice. If you can take a step back and realize that sexuality relates to healthy relationships and intimacy and all these other topics, and you realize, oh, wow, I've been modeling that for my child since they were born. Those are values that I hold. This is just an extension of that. Hello, kitty. Um, (laughs) Then then it's not as big of a deal. So it's really about um, dispelling a lot of myths Mm. and making people realize that they're actually really equipped you've been doing this all along it's just an extension of that and yeah. and when parents realize that yeah you Taught your kid to not touch themselves in public. They're potty trained. You know, like they they know how to express affection for people in a healthy manner. You're like, if you can get parents to really realize, oh, I've been doing all those things. Then talking about sex in a more explicit way, it's just a logical extension of that. Yeah, that makes sense. It's all very logical. It
0: totally is. So when are you talking to when parents reach out? Do you do you do you also talk to the kids themselves, or is it mainly just you educating the parents to educate their kids? Yeah,
1: it varies. Um, When I work in Schools, I always do parent education components. So I explain this is what your child's getting in class, and this is how you can support them at home. Um, I do like Tupperware style parties in people's living rooms where they bring in a bunch of friends and I just talk with them, either partners or just moms or dads, um, about the stuff. I also actually have people that hire me to give their kids the talk, and sometimes I give them a talk in compun- conjunction with that, and sometimes I just want to outsource it completely, so. Whoa. Um, yeah, that's
2: that's nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, in this modern
1: day, you can outsource anything. <laughs> it's,
2: <laughs> absolutely, it's so true. I just hadn't even thought of that as like an option. it's outsource. I'm not gonna do that, and but when, I'm just...
1: And when I do that, usually I kind of break down for the parents, and I'll say, I'll talk with them about anatomy. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do all of the nitty gritty stuff that you might not really feel confident talking about, but when it talks, when it comes to your personal values and your family's values and your hopes for them, that's something that you have to do. Cause I can't do that. That's not my place. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, well, one of the best, I think resources for your whole brand and what you do is your Instagram account. It is
1: incredible. Yeah. Ben is obsessed with your Instagram account. I'm flattered.
0: So who does the art?
1: The art is um, buried. I source it from lots of different artists.
0: Yeah, it's really creative. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What's so great about it is it's not just for kids. I think it's of all ages, you know, how do you think about the content for that? Is that just an extension of what you're
1: teaching? You know, I'll get questions from people. It's an extension of what I'm teaching. It's just what I believe people ought to know. Um, And when I'm writing it, I really am writing with the goal of it being able to be, I mean, on Instagram, you're supposed to be something like 13 to be able to join Instagram or 12 or 14, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And my goal is that I want people that are that young to be able to read my posts and get information, whether it's about something like consent or something about orgasms. I feel like, This is information that people need access to. And I fundamentally believe that if someone is seeking out information about something, then they're old enough to learn about it. Yeah. Um, And there's lots of different ways to learn about things. And I try to keep my writing really factual and really direct. Um, And I try not to really instill many values other than body positivity and sex positivity but it's very factual and very fun
0: yeah that's yeah. what i was gonna say it's too. so fun it's like it, you're you're I mean, so I, straightforward i
1: write it. how i how i talk yeah, yeah, yeah. it is like, it's how i teach yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: like I, I one of the posts that's coming to mind is like. <laughs>
1: oh i'm excited <laughs> was uh
0: was is cum nutritious oh yeah <laughs> and you were just like the first lines were like all right what is cum like <laughs> what did, is it nutritious? And then you just went into all the facts. Like, it's literally yeah. like if you were to, you know, like have it, what would it be? And it was just like so informational. And then at the end, you wrapped it up with, it's not that, you know, it's not, it's not going to do that much. So yeah. make your decision on what you want to do. And, and, yeah. you know, you're.
1: But that's a question I've gotten for years. And why is that not something that's easily available? Honestly, you know, like the first that- time
0: I've ever actually factually read something like that, because yeah. we all, you know, everyone talks about it like, oh yeah, yeah it could be new, whatever it may be, yeah. but. Yeah. to actually see it written down on paper you now I, you think about it differently and with
2: a fun infographic or a fun yeah, yeah illustration exactly. yeah, yeah. I, it's it's such a great resource so if, if you all want to learn more you should definitely check out giving the talk on yeah. Instagram it Thank is you. just phenomenal yeah
0: it's definitely worth following yeah. for sure
2: and speaking of I guess where can people learn more about you and giving the talk I mean Instagram yeah. obviously we can't Instagram's plug it enough. The best. go check um, it out it's amazing I've got a
1: website that needs an overhaul so maybe don't go there <laughs> <laughs> don't we all have a website that needs an overhaul um Um, Yeah, I'd say Instagram is the best way um, or just email me and I'm happy to follow up. And what's your email for those listening? Julia at givingthetalk.com. Great. And then
0: we should also point out that when we first started talking to you um, was a couple months ago maybe.
1: I mean, it was at least like. Six months it was ago. No, like, <laughs> no, no. That's, no. On, that's us on us too. for sure.
0: But uh, I think you had five thousand followers, and now you're up to seventeen thousand. Over seventeen.
1: Followers. Seventeen point six today. <laughs> oh my god,
0: that's amazing. That's yeah. incredible. It's
1: um, Instagram is a trip. <laughs> it is. It's, um, it's fascinating that social media has the ability to kind of um, validate you in a way and like make you. Um, legit in a way that you might not have otherwise been viewed, yeah. um, and so that's kind of like a love hate relationship. You know, I've been doing this work for over a decade, and then I start my Instagram, and suddenly people are like, "Oh, you're a professional," and I'm like, "I've been doing this all along." Yeah. Um,
2: uh, this has been
0: awesome. Wait, I have one more question, oh, though. Go, go yeah, back. Before go we ben. get to the speed round,
1: mm-hmm. um, okay? So I've, <laughs> Ben has well, so many I'm questions. So curious, but when like, you said that made me a little worse. No, no,
0: no. I'm. I want to know: Have you ever gotten thrown like a curveball? Or, like, just, like, what is, like, the weirdest question that really kind of was, like. Oh,
1: that's a good one. You know
0: what I mean? Where you're just, like, whoa.
1: (sighs) Nothing really phases me. I mean. She seems pretty calm. That's what I'm saying is, like, you know. And, yeah, no, I don't really. Or a question that you were surprised
2: that someone didn't know. Or that's probably every day.
1: Oh, that's every day. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to a 40 year old woman that didn't know she had two ovaries. Like, <laughs> wow. this is, yeah, people don't, there's really basic information people don't know. So, yeah. no, at this point, nothing phases me and no. nothing surprises me. It's more just motivation to keep doing what I'm doing.
2: Well, yeah. it's super important work. Thank I'm so you. glad that your handle exists, that you're out there you. providing yeah. accurate information. I think. Just so many strong takeaways around just modeling behavior early and oh, yeah. just proactively. It's kind of how you talk about owning your own narrative and anything else. Like yeah. owning that narrative, why wouldn't you own the narrative around sex and body positivity yeah. with your kids?
1: Exactly. Figure And out, yourself. Figure out what your values are. Take some time to really consider that. You know, if someone asked you, like, how do you talk to your kid about religion? That's going to depend based on what your religion is and what your opinion about it is. But really take some time to figure out what you care about and what you value and then just model it.
2: It makes complete sense. It does. And if you have questions, you just go to her Instagram handle.
0: It's yep. all there.
1: It's all there. Go. Are deep. you answering
0: DMs? Like, are oh, you? Yeah, all of the, did you say you DM? <laughs>
1: I mean, I'll go through phases with it. Yeah. I, I get a lot of dick pics and I get a lot of inappropriate stuff. Oh, in I DMs. could see that. So, um, it, you know, my my husband gives me a hard time because I try to respond to every single question because I believe every question deserves an answer, and then I get fatigued, I get fatigued at a point where I'm like yeah. I'm just so tired of being disrespected. And I, yeah. I have to assert my boundaries as a professional. But yeah, I do love to answer people's
0: questions. Do you do you get haters? Do people like do people kind of look at this as like why are, why are you putting this information out there?
1: Or? You know, no, I've never gotten resistance from that. I get resistance from people that. Um, when it comes to like nuances in language, or they think that I I'm not being as inclusive as I could, and I have a lot to learn, and yeah. I'm always happy to, you know, to to stretch and grow and try out new things. But no, I've never had anyone just flat out tell me that, you know, what I'm doing isn't needed or not important. That's great. Well, it's obviously very needed in <laughs> yeah, only schools
2: doubt. in the country, yeah. making sure that people have factual, you know, information. Yep. Okay. You ready for, any more questions before we go into speed round, Ben? I want to make sure uh, you get no, all your that, questions. I know, I appreciate that, Thank you so much.
0: I'm ready for the speed round.
2: All right. Do you want to kick it off? Sure. So these are quick, quick answers. Just you know, okay. fun, lighthearted
1: questions. I'll do my best. All, all right. right. <laughs> are you ready? Yes. Okay.
0: What do you think is the sexiest part of the body?
1: The whole body. I mean, Ooh. I don't have a quick answer for that. My long answer for that is the whole body because everyone's um, sensory nerve endings are mapped on your body differently. So the way one person experiences pleasure is completely different than another person. So that's going to vary from person to person. You pick your body part. Good answer. What's your favorite sex
2: or body myth? Or just oh, funny. This is well, My first
1: year teaching sex ed, I had this student who really believed that um, Mountain Dew would reduce your sperm count enough so that you couldn't get someone pregnant. And... He believed this so adamantly that we actually had meetings with his parents and the school counselors because he thought that me shutting him down and saying that wasn't accurate was, um, was wrong. And, and he really wanted to school me on that. So just so we all know, Mountain Dew is not an effective method of birth control in any way. Consuming it, douching with it. Oh, God, don't do that. That's really horrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, high schoolers have some fascinating notions about sex that we need to, you know, remedy. Never heard that one of you, Mountain Dew.
0: Mountain Dew. Yeah. Well, that myth for sure when I was growing up. I've we, never heard of We that always one. had talked about that. It was like, oh, like we yeah, would make fun of thing. each other. Like, if you drink Mountain Dew, this will happen.
2: That never traveled
1: to Napa, California that <laughs> I know of. <laughs> um, um, go ahead. Sorry, Finn. You're
0: all right. You're an avid baker. What I is am. your favorite thing to bake?
1: Oh, I just like to make delicious food. I mean, I make chocolate chip cookies constantly. I'm not. I have no pretension about like being fancy or anything. I just like to make delicious things. So yeah, lots of chocolate chip cookies, Mm. lots of, you know, cakes and whatever seasonal. I like to get stuff from the farmer's market and incorporate it.
2: I've heard you make a great challah.
1: Yeah, your brother will only come to my house on Friday nights. <laughs> <Sex>. <laughs> what a brat! Strategically <laughs> scheduling always to get holla. <laughs> very, very
2: smart. Well, what's your secret in your holla bread? Why um, is it so good?
1: Yeah, anyone who's ever worked in a professional kitchen knows that if you want to make something tastier, add more salt and sugar. And I'll just leave it at that.
2: <laughs> totally
1: fair. There's a
0: secret favorite mom hack.
1: Oh, favorite mom hack! Yeah, um, when you're making dinner and your kid is hungry and complaining, just give them veggies because they'll eat them because they're hungry. So. I offer veggies first when they're ravenous, and then I'll give them the goods after that. I do that hack as well. Really, yeah. that's a good yeah. one. Uh-huh. Just hand them because they're just so hungry that to totally, they don't even know what they're eating. I'm yeah. like,
2: okay, all your veggies. There you and go. Done. That's done amazing. Um, what's your favorite piece of advice or best
1: piece of advice you've ever received? <sighs> I feel like the advice I've received in my life has been in my life has been so um, so appropriate for specific times. I don't think there's something that's carried me through other than just the idea that like all you can do is your best. You know, solid advice.
0: I love that. What's your favorite age so far?
1: For me or having a child? <laughs> no, <laughs> for you. For me? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I just turned 36 and I love it. I feel like it gets better and better. I mean, it's hard to watch your body like age and not do as many awesome things as maybe it could do before, but no, I feel like things just get better and better. Yeah. Most people We're, we have say that. We every
0: Everyone has said that except for one.
1: Yeah.
2: She said seven. Oh really?
1: Seven I was mean, your age. <laughs>
2: I think seven.
1: <laughs> it's a great age. Seven's a great age. I'm not gonna No. I mean, there's lots of days where I look at my kid and I'm like, if we could just trade for one day. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right. Seriously. If you just take care of all my needs for one day, that'd be awesome.
2: We asked this question to every person. Fill in the blank. Happiness is.
1: Happiness is really important. And whatever makes you happy, go pursue that. Figure out what it is. But you need it in your life. Solid answer.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well,
2: thank you well, for being with us.
0: Yeah, Julia, this was absolutely amazing. Worth really the wait
2: for so many months.
0: Without <laughs> a doubt, my God, without I a keep doubt.
1: people on ice for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there were so many great takeaways from this. I feel even just beyond just sex education, you know, just about finding yourself and and uh and you know figuring out who you are and mm-hmm. then taking that and understanding that and communicating that, whether it be to your friends or your kids, it, you know, it it almost is like this universal. Absolutely. You know, this universal feeling that you need to practice that you need to find. Yeah. So
2: yeah, I think the the boundary just continuing to practice boundary setting is such a great takeaway that you start early with your kids and you just everyone can continue to Mm -hmm. practice that as they become adults. And obviously in the corporate world, we need a lot of that more.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a work in progress. You know, again, we all flail, but you're not going to get good if, unless you practice.
0: Yeah, yeah not so. knowing all the answers, you know. Like you said, you know, being able to communicate I actually don't know, I will find out and get back to you, you know. I think is another really important thing of just, you know, not having to jump and force yourself into an awkward situation with your with your kid is I think that's a huge takeaway as well.
2: Absolutely. And the other one really eye opening and it makes so much sense, but there is like you said sort of this stigma around talking about these things and the assumption that well, this our kids will just learn this in school. It's terrifying to know that there is not factually correct information being offered. And so, yeah, even more motivation to start that conversation early is create an open dialogue because, yeah, you shouldn't let your kids... You know, get that narrative from somewhere else yeah. or create their own with And they're going to find
1: it and they'll be exposed to it. So oh. you got to be proactive in creating what you want for them.
0: That's Push great. them to uh, giving the talk. Giving the talk on Instagram. That's where they need to really uh, go. We can't plug it in. <laughs> go
2: check it out. It's incredible. Well, thank you for being with yeah. us. Oh, thank pleasure. you for sharing this information with yeah. us. You didn't say a thousand percent.
0: Yes, I I didn't. Oh, this no is, facts. We're
2: gonna have to. I mean, this wasn't good. <laughs> no, he's he's been weaning himself off. I really have. We're gonna have to truly. change this format. I, don't, I know. You know, you you've you evolved and grown.
0: Pivot. Yeah. I mean, it's Things good because
2: it's good because it means Ben's grown. That's this whole podcast is about learning and growing. There we go success. It so, is. on one hand, I'm very happy for him. Selfishly, though, this is really fucking with our format, yeah, Ben. It is, and also like <laughs> you I a new have
0: facts now. Like I have a list of facts to like give that are. Well, all of my, all of my farb facts have been, um, in the bathroom. Oh. So. I know you're
2: just dying to hear those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> those are on past episodes. So I won't, yes. I won't re- well,
2: do you want to just give a farb fact?
0: Okay. I got one.
2: The free, they're free farb facts now. This is a free farb fact. All right. For, wow. for Still works. Just giving it away for
0: free. Now yeah. Me and in my it away Instagram. For free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, tear up when I yawn every time. And every time I yawn, everyone is like, why are you crying? And I cry every single time, and I can't control it, and I don't know why. I think that's
1: common for a yeah, lot of people. It's like Is it really common? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You're not alone. Yawning often stimulates the tear ducts.
0: Like insanely, though. Like I'm just like dumping. Yeah. Like a lot of people, I do that when they like orgasm be- too. Wow!
1: Yeah, fun facts to know and share. Oh wow, that's interesting.
2: interesting. It also like triggers the tear ducts. No, yeah. I mean a
1: lot of it's just the involuntary autonomic nervous system doing what it does and your body reacting. But yeah, that's part oh, of that. This
2: was like a double far fact. That was a double far fact, fact right there. It was two factual, <laughs> that was good, Julia. scientifically held <laughs> information. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing your free far right, fact. You're welcome. That's I don't really one. cry when I yawn. That doesn't trigger my tear ducts. Yeah, yeah me neither. Interesting. You're alone in that. No, yeah. that's what I figured. Great. Just, perfect. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing. My thank much. you. You for being with us, yeah.
0: Make sure you go follow Giving the Talk on Instagram, and uh, you know, hit us start up, start educating, and
2: maybe share what your favorite um, like post
1: is with us if you are listening to the episode.
0: I agree. Share it with us. There are so and like many-
2: I
1: said, go deep. People often just look at like the top couple ones, but. Uh, there's over a year of posts now, and they have some interesting gems. They are good. Yeah, in fact,
0: we'll, we'll get it started on our end. We should share like a ton of them on.
1: We'll share some, and how about if you tag us, we'll reshare them
0: yep. on our feed. Yep,
2: we'll, we'll keep sharing the the awesome. images out there. <laughs>
0: i would love like a how the f do i like custom one oh. now i'm asking for it i feel like that's a
2: really bigger post I know. yes that's i mean i write is. them every day so. <laughs> we shall see well oh, great to finally meet you no and thank you for the great work that you do because it's super important
1: oh, my pleasure yeah cool.
2: all right well till next time
0: till next time stay tuned